Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Good morning. I hope you're well today. Um, great to see you joining us this morning. We're really excited about the new series that we're going to go through uh, through the book of Zechariah. Um, so this is um, the second to last book in the Old Testament. And let me just read the opening verse of Zechariah, Zechariah chapter one. Uh, and hopefully you'll get used to turning to this book. Um, and there it says in the eighth month of the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Zechariah, son of Berechiah, the son of Ido. And uh, I'll read verse two. The Lord was very angry with your forefathers. Therefore, tell the people this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you says the Lord Almighty. Don't be like your forefathers to whom the earlier prophets proclaimed. This is what the Lord says. Turn from your evil ways and your evil practices. But they would not listen or pay attention to me, declares the Lord. Where are your forefathers now and the prophets? Do they live forever? But did not my words and my decrees, which I commanded my servants, the prophets, overtake your forefathers? Then they repented and said, the Lord Almighty has done to us what your our ways and practices deserve, just as he determined to do. So I ended up reading it all. We might as well. Hey, um, so we're going to do a couple of sessions just introducing the book to you, myself today and Joshua tomorrow. Now, the minor prophets are sometimes quite uh, difficult to understand. I love what Martin Luther said about the minor prophets. He said that they have a strange way of talking, like people who, instead of proceeding in an orderly manner, ramble off from one thing to the next so that you cannot make head or tail of them or see what they're getting at. Martin Luther went on to say, and I love this, about uh, a verse in chapter 14 of Zechariah. He wrote, I give up. I don't understand. I don't get this. I give up. <laughs> Literally, Martin Luther gave up on a verse in Zechariah because he couldn't understand it. So you may say, well, why on earth are we looking at such a complicated, obscure book? Well, it isn't actually that complicated, first of all. And I would suggest to you that actually, as you read it, you get these aha moments, these moments where suddenly you get it. And it is the most amazing and inspiring and encouraging book that we could read. It is a wonderfully encouraging book. Why is it a good book to look at? And I'll give you a couple of reasons. Firstly, because it is about Jesus. It is Christological in its content. Not only is it historical, but also it is Christological. It looks forward to the coming of Christ. They have, people have said that in the old, the that what is concealed in the Old Testament is revealed in the New Testament. And Jesus is kind of concealed in the Old Testament and revealed in the New Testament. 
But in Zechariah, Jesus is barely concealed at all. In fact, he positively leaps out of the pages of this book. In fact, Joshua may tell you a bit more, but I think in the passion narratives in the New Testament, the accounts of Jesus' death in the Gospels, there are more quotes from Zechariah than from any other book of the Old Testament. That's why we've called this book the Gospel of Zechariah. It is good news. And that leads to my second point as to why it's a good thing for us to look at this book, because it is good news, especially for weak people, people like us, people who feel unable to achieve the things that we think God might be telling us to achieve. Weak people, discouraged people. And let's just remind you quickly of the context of this this book. In 586 BC, the the, uh, people of Judah had gone into exile under the Babylonians, under Nebuchadnezzar. And their city had been laid, Jerusalem had been sieged, and then had been destroyed. The temple had been burnt to the ground. The people had been taken into exile in Babylon. And they had been warned again and again that this is what would happen to them uh, through the prophets. And indeed, it is eventually what happened. God's fierce anger against his people. They went into exile. Jeremiah had said, however, that that exile would only last for 70 years and that God would return them back to the promised land. And indeed, that is what happened when Cyrus became king of Persia, the new empire. The Babylonians were um, taken over by the Persians and Cyrus had a different, more enlightened attitude towards his the peoples in his empire. Instead of crushing them and destroying them and destroying their religions as the Babylonians had done, Cyrus thought the best way to win these people over is to support them and to sponsor their religions and to allow them to live their lives uh, as they want. And then they will give allegiance to me uh, as their emperor. And so uh, Cyrus had, and we have the Cyrus Cylinder, of course, in the British Museum that records this, but it's also recorded in Ezra and Nehemiah. The people were sent back. The people went back to Jerusalem to rebuild. Not many people went back. If you think that a million people plus came out with Moses uh, into the promised land from Egypt, now about 42,000, a remnant actually go back. Many of them have settled in Babylon. Actually, they're getting on okay there. They don't bother to go back. But um, some of them, the remnant, go back to Jerusalem and they make a good start. They build the altar in the first month. They start making sacrifices. They build the foundations of the temple. But then they find opposition coming from the Samaritans and a decree is issued and they stop the work and they give up. And for about 18 to 20 years, they just basically give up on the vision. They build their houses, they carry on with their work, but they are deflated, they are demoralized, they are depressed, they are discouraged, they don't think they can do what God's called them to do. And then in August 520 BC, Haggai stands up, Haggai preaches 
four sermons in four months. And we studied that at the Vine Church. And he packed a punch to them. Haggai is an old man. Most likely he was there when the temple was originally there. He's an old man. He preaches to them. And then two months later, after Haggai has started, Zechariah begins to preach. And Zechariah is a young man. We read in chapter two that he was a lad. He's a lad. He's a young guy. And Zechariah preaches. I love this because we've got this teamwork here between Haggai, the old man, Zechariah, the young guy working together. That's often how God does it. And he uses different people of different ages. I love one of the old commentaries on Zechariah. This is what first got me into this book. I love this old commentary by Colin Barron. And he says that um, God presses into his service people of every age and every stage of life. And he presses into service the hoary headed um, and sanctifies the experience of years. But he also reveals himself to the child Samuel and speaks through the young men, through Zechariah. And so that's what's happening here. And so Zechariah preaches and his message is a message of encouragement, consolation. Um, it's a message of comfort to the people. And he paints pictures. Zechariah paints vivid, colourful pictures, whereas Haggai's style is very logical and preaching a sermon. Zechariah's style is very flamboyant and um, full of kind of imagery, baskets and flying scrolls and colours and things. He paints in broad brushstrokes with words of encouragement to the people of God. And he says to them, God was angry with your fathers, but there is a way back and God can restore you and use you. And so tomorrow, Joshua will unpack those first verses I read to you a little bit more and look at how the fact is that there is always a time to start again with God. God is always a God of the second chance. God is a God who encourages his people again and again. If you return to me, I will return to you. So let's pray together. Uh, Lord, we thank you that your promise is that you will always be with us, with your people. As Zachariah's name reminds us, God remembers. You remember your people. You remember us. And so today we pray that you would encourage us. I pray for any who feel deflated, discouraged, that they would find this fresh encouragement in you that you are with them, that as they return to you, uh, then you will return to them and you will be with them today and you will help them this day. So I pray for this in Jesus name. Amen.